0: everybody this is Bill Knauer and you're listening to author to author where we talk about writing and life because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead that's true you know it really is author to author brought to you by author magazine premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life yeah you write not articles about just you know how to write the crap but Right now, we've got a couple articles up by, uh, about sort of uh, working through the pain or using the struggles in your life for your writing or writing despite the struggles in your life. We all have them. We're all people. And we have video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genre. He's got a great conversation with Britt Bennett right now. Really enjoyed that one. I'll be talking to Bruce Van Dusen next month. He's a uh, got a memoir out about 30 years working in, television commercials, directing all sorts of television. Fascinating, really readable book. Uh, can't wait to talk to him. So you see all kinds of people, all kinds of people. It's all over at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the fabulous people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Still at it? Yes, they are. And they're going to do a great conference this September here, virtual conference, as all the conferences are, as the Democratic National Convention is, yes, it's virtual, so so are we. If they can do it, so can we. And so take your class virtually. We're going to be uh, keynotes virtually. Anyway, so no matter where you are, New York, New England, Seattle, doesn't matter. You can attend the conference. Find out how at pnwa.org. Yeah. So all kinds of writing. Creole, we do fiction, nonfiction. We interview all kinds of authors. Today's guest, Geraldine Woods very interesting person. She has taught and tutored every level of English for more than four decades. She makes snarky comments on grammar and usage in her blog, GrammarianInTheCity.com. And she's the author of more than 50, 50 people books, including most recently, Just Out Today, yes, published today, August 18th, 25 Great Sentences and How They Got That Way. But in addition to that, she's written many dummies books. You know these books. Well, she's written a bunch of them, including Basic English Grammar for Dummies, English Grammar for Dummies, English Grammar Workbook for Dummies, Research Papers for Dummies, College Admissions Essays for Dummies, and the SAT for Dummies. She also wrote AP English Literature and Composition, AP English Language and Composition, and Webster's New World Punctuation, Simplified and Applied. And she's with us now. Geraldine, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Hi, Bill. So nice to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. You know, uh, 50 books is a lot of books, Geraldine. That's just a lot (laughs) of books for someone who all they do is write books, but you had a side hustle of teaching English for 40 (laughs) years. So, uh, well, sort of which came first? Uh, Was it were you like a teacher first, and then you said, "Well, I got the summer off. Maybe I'll write a book." How did this How did this happen?
1: My career started. Okay, backtrack a second. I think I've probably always been a writer. So yeah, the way I've been, i think since I was a kid, I just was writing because that's part of the way I think, part of who mm-hmm. I am. I started selling things when when um, <laughs> I desperately had to make my rent money. When my son was little, my husband and I both wanted the chance to be full time parents. So we took turns working, and then we had to try to live on one salary. So wow. we, in the, whenever he was napping, we were typing. <laughs> whenever he was in the sandbox, we had a yellow pad on the side and jotting down things and then go home and type them up after he went to sleep. So wow. it started, both of us were writing at that point, and, um, and at many times I was teaching. And then it became my summer job. I would teach all winter and get a book for the summer, write the book, turn it in and then go back and teach. And that was pretty much my pattern for a long time. But I decided uh, in more recent years to explore more what I just wanted to write rather than what I could write and get paid for. Luckily I was able to combine both because I'm I'm quite fond of money. I'm certainly not (laughs) adverse to being paid for my writing, but I've had a lot of fun with uh, the dummies books and certainly with 25 great sentences and how they got that way. They're just a lot of fun to write.
0: Right. And so, and so when you were, so you were, you're a young, young parent and you're wanting to write, get paid for something. And so were you just really looking at like anything that would pay you to write something or or did you see a a niche for yourself? Like how, how did you decide what you were going to write then?
1: Well, um, I started with trying to sell magazine articles and I sold Mm -hmm. a few, but then I thought, Uh, let me see if there's something I can expand into. So this is pre-internet. I started writing the poor children that would have to go to the library and do a report on something. And they'd look for a nonfiction children's book. So I got a a whole bunch of of that sort of thing. And those were easy Uh, to do while standing next to the sandbox, handing out snacks and making sure everybody was safe and and so forth. But um, at a certain point I thought, well, uh, first of all they didn't pay very well and secondly I thought what do I actually want to write what do I know about and I had been teaching and I love teaching and I certainly love language and I thought well I know this let me see if there's a way that I can put these two things together and so that's how the dummies books first appeared in my life it they were um, it's interesting because when I first applied to do them I um, the editors there said oh it's, it's so hard to get the tone and you got the tone right and I thought what are you talking about? I live in New York. I talk this way. <laughs> you know, the kind of like slightly making fun of yourself and, and everything else that you're doing <laughs> is, is kind of the natural you know, way we speak in my neighborhood. So uh, that was actually pretty easy to do. So uh, that's interesting. Uh, dummies was more, you know, let me see if I can do this for real. And um, right. those were have always been a lot of fun to do. And then I stopped full-time teaching for a while. It turns out, I guess in the nick of time because teachers are really having a tough time these days. And I applaud them for their efforts to take care of the next generation in the middle of this pandemic. Um, But I stepped away from full-time teaching for a while and I thought, well, let me see what else I want to do. And 25 great sentences is more or less my mind on paper. It's it's as close as I've ever come to just, this is the way I think. And uh, doing that, it was a particular joy. That's,
0: you know, that's what it seemed to me, that, that this book was a, was not the culmination of your work, but of, of your books, not that I know all 50 of them, but the one that maybe came closest to your heart, maybe.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, reflects, for example, I was in, before the pandemic, I was in Ireland, and I was in the Museum of Archaeology, and I saw a sign, Mind the Plinth. And yes. I'm standing there and I'm looking at the exhibit and I'm thinking, right. I wonder why they say mind and what would we say? Watch out right. for. And I'm thinking, no, yeah. that's too long. Be careful. Yeah. Of. No, that's too long. Warning, that's too severe. And then I thought, yeah. wow, they think that a tourist knows what a plinth is. And then I thought, <laughs> do I know what a plinth is? <laughs> so um, I'm, all of this is going through my head and, and I, I pretty much barely escaped tripping over the plinth because I right. was spending so much time thinking about the, the sign there. Uh, and the plinth, by the way, I went back to the hotel and looked it up. is a heavy base for a statue or a column or a vase. But yeah. this was, th- as I said, this is how I think. This is what right. uh, I'm a person that does crosshair puzzles and Scrabble and you know, I read cereal boxes. I, right. So for, for me, <laughs> just thinking about language is pretty much this is living inside my head.
0: Good. Well, this is the way you should be writing. And so, and and so, grammar came. Naturally for, you know, I was thinking about grammar because my sister, who is a teacher, teaches reading now, she's a reading specialist. Um, She was someone who loved to diagram sentences, just thought um. this is a fun half hour. And I, I was the writer in the family and I have never diagrammed a sentence in my life. You know, it just made no sense to me. Um, But I could write with correct grammar. Actually, I have here's a story for you about grammar. Tell me what you think of this. This is what I tell my students when I teach is that uh, I, 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 I mean, my family, we spoke in full sentences and I read. And so I just basically had an intuitive sense of grammar. But as I was becoming a professional writer, I was like, I don't want, you know, a comma out of place or some misuse of something to, you know, impede my chances to get an agent or something. So I went and I hired someone to just go through my work and just correct everything if there was anything needing correcting and she taught me about the serial comma or the Oxford comma and that's the only thing I remember but what she really taught me I know this sounds obvious to you Geraldine but it did not seem that way to me when I was 30 whatever is that the point of grammar was to make my work clear and I never thought of it that way in terms of all the punctual every little rule was there just to make it clear not to be a rule that I had to follow just to prove I followed it does that make sense it was a reframing of it that changed my relationship to grammar completely.
1: Yeah, it, it totally makes sense. And I would extend that a little bit. I think sometimes the point of knowing the rules is knowing when to break them with a purpose yes. behind that, yeah. that breakage. Um, for example, if you're, if you're thinking of the rule where, of parallelism, which in English teacher talk would be making sure that things match in a sense right. that they're performing right. the same function well, I, there's a wonderful sentence um, that um, – so first of all, if you do that, you unify the ideas. They all have the right. same structure, and therefore they're they're unified. But there's a wonderful sentence about teenagers that calls them beguiling, disgusting, masterful, and <laughs> sleepwalking. And uh, it, it's it, an article about uh, evolution, in terms of evolution, having risk-taking adolescence is actually a benefit for the species – because they move out into new territory, and that's good for the human race, not so good maybe for an individual taking a risk. But what I love about that is the breaking of the rule because masterful doesn't happen very often. I mean, I actually love teenagers. I I spent most of my life teaching teenagers, and I love their openness to possibility. But uh, they don't always hit masterful, but when they do, I think of the kids in Parkland, for example. They are just incredible. And so to break the rule on that word, and have everything else match, beguiling, disgusting, sleepwalking, and then just break it there. It just shows you that that exception is is amazing. So I think the point of grammar is both to make sure people understand what you're saying, but also to break it in service of a a rhetorical point, to get an emphasis or a de Right. And that's, I think that's when it's most fun actually for me to to look for the breaks.
0: And so, all right, so you you loved grammar. You wrote a lot of books. We, you before our show, uh, my producer and you it was was thanking you for because he's a fan of your work. He's got your books by his side, and so you've you've you helped the world, you know, line up their cross their T's and dot their eyes, <laughs> learn how to use a semicolon and an M dash, and uh, but all right. So now you start this work, the twenty five great sentences. And you know, and and there's a lot more than 25 sentences that you look at in this. Um, it's sort of fascinating how you do it. So talk, walk me through it because it's it's a it's, it's a great idea for a title. But then you got to actually like figure out how you choose the sentences, how how you talk about them. It seems like when as I was looking at the book, I was thinking, oh god, this. How did she come up with the structure? How did she decide? to so talk to me about that because it seems like a, a a task in and of itself.
1: It was, um, it it was a fun process for me. I, I thought of, I started with a, with one sentence. This comes from my teaching career too. When I first started teaching, I thought I would start with, you know, new teacher. So I'm standing there and I'm thinking, first of all, oh my goodness, I'm the grown up. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, so I'm standing there and I'm thinking, well, I'll give, they're reading Lord of the Flies. I'll say, what is your ideal society? Go and write about that. And I'm assuming I'm going to get these really long, nuanced discussions. (laughs) Things like everyone will be happy. No one will. So so you're not really looking at, um, you're not getting very much from the big approach. And I haven't abandoned the big approach at all in either in my writing or in my teaching, but I started to look at one sentence and say, all right, how can we start there and then expand outward? So since I was teaching that way, I I had, Sentences that just have always caught my attention, and I thought that these are amazing, both for what they say and how they say it. So I started with that, and then as I got this book together, I thought, well, let me think of different ways that the same technique can be used. So, for example, when I look at a a sentence that turns back on itself, I I call it a pocket sentence. That's a term I made up with tucked inside. Yeah. so there's virginia wolf and she's got a character who's desperately trying to ignore the unpleasantness in life and just look at the good parts. so she starts right. off it's it's just after world war one and she says the war was over that's the beginning of the sentence thank uh, heaven it was over and in the middle there are all these people that are still suffering that quickly pass through her mind and and way on out and then i thought well who else does that and so i Looked at Phil Rizzuto's Hall of Fame acceptance speech. He was a Yankee player and announcer, and he was very famous mangler of syntax, yeah. and I just yeah. love him. I, I just really adore him. So there he is, and he's talking about the baseball was so great, and then he, he digresses and t- talks about his childhood in the middle, and then he goes, but it was great. It was just great, and I thought he did the same thing, and what he's tucking right. inside is things that he can't bear to leave behind. And then I right. went on from there to Hamilton and Lynn manuel Miranda and so forth. So I knew from that, as I worked on that part, that I really wanted to cast a wide net. And then it was just a question of looking at a, a treasure box filled with all these wonderful, beautiful sentences and picking some to highlight. I, I, once Each chapter has one that I go into detail uh, in right. my discussion. And then with all these other examples, because what I'd like if a for writers, who are aspiring writers or established writers, because I think we can all improve, uh, all of us, no matter how long we've been doing this is yeah. to get inspired, to, to try a different technique, to try something new and yeah. and see where it gets here you'll either like yeah. it or you'll hate it but at least you'll try it and I, I believe yeah. in trying new things
0: Well, I'll tell you, I remember I was just writing, I, was, I, have, I teach a class online through Writer's Digest about fearless writing but I was talking about trying to get my students to claim their, sort of own their own aesthetic. A lot of times, writers don't understand that the thing they're measuring the, their work against is their own ideas of right and wrong. And I was talking to one student about the first time I read Anthony Burgess when I was seventeen or something. And I'd been reading a lot of science fiction and fantasy, but his was a, a very grown-up novel. A very, well, I shouldn't say science fiction; is fantasy, but it was a more of a traditional, broad. It was called Earthly Powers, I think. And I noticed his descriptions left out stuff I would have included. And I noticed how much better it was with the stuff left out. And it just changed the way I wrote after I read that book. Just that one, me noticing that one thing. It was a huge influence because being so young. But you got to notice that stuff. You got to notice there's something to do, right? You got to notice there's something to imitate. You got to notice there's something you want to try. Yeah?
1: Yeah, and I completely agree with your idea that my, the goal for a writer is to establish a voice, to have yeah. that voice be accurate, to reflect what, who you are and what you want to say. I, I think that is the goal for every writer. And, yeah. But in support of that and getting there or, and experimenting, I think it's really helpful to look at. I, I often would start, a, for example, a poetry class, but telling my students, well, bring in the worst poem, the one that you totally hate. Just go look at book you can find and bring in, like, this is bad poetry day. And so right. they come in and I say, well, why do you hate it? And sometimes, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll have a, a reason. Sometimes they're not sure, but then they start looking closely. And when you start looking closely at what you don't like, you don't do that. When you start That's looking right. at things that have caught your attention in the proper, because you love them. And then you say, well, maybe I can do that too. And experiment. That's right.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so true. What a great lesson. Because I'll tell you when I was, t- I, I was teaching, I was, um I was, um, Uh, judging a contest. And I, and I do a lot of memoir and personal essays. So I was judging the personal essays and memoir and, you know, most of the memoirs I was reading were published memoirs and they've been edited and gone through, but these were a little rougher what was coming into the contest thing. And they were so helpful in many ways. They were more helpful to me than the beautifully scrubbed and constructed ones because it was so clear what wasn't working and why. You know, it was just because they were, these were still in, in works in progress. Um, well, so, okay. Uh, tell talk to me about you. This, I mean, you've got to have had a lot of uh, sentences you would already amassed uh, to be able to do this. You can't just go flipping through books until you find good sentences because there's so many sentences <laughs> in the world. You know, it's one thing. And it, it's really even different. See, this is interesting about this, Geraldine, because one thing to say, I'm going to talk about 25 great songs because you can, have a catalog of songs, but sentences don't stand on their own. They're a part of a bigger thing that they're not known, you know, except for like the end of great Gatsby or something, most things aren't known for a sentence. And so did you already have like a big journal full of them? How did that happen?
1: I did have a fair number because I use this in, in my teaching. Uh, For example, when we'd start a particular book, I knew that in Gatsby, for example, I knew that there was this one, uh, sentence about uh, he there's a picture of him and he's wearing um, a white costume and it and the word costume is there and so his whole sense of who he should be rather than who he is right so right, there I had right. a set of sentences already but when I started working on this I thought uh, for example I, I knew I wanted a chapter on coinage and I thought of again Phil Rizzuto I like the Yankees so yeah. I the ball because he said I was nonchalanting it and I thought oh that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> not a word but it should be a word oh it's great so I, and so I started looking at all these old sport, sports writers and uh, I love sports writing anyway uh, W.C. Hines from the 20s and 30s um, uh, Red Smith and who called himself just a bum trying to make a living uh, <laughs> uh, a right. writer <laughs> Right. And right. So I did some purposeful reading and I looked at a lot of song lyrics and then yeah. sometimes, for example, when I'd been working all day on um, a chapter on um, descriptions and I thought, okay, I've had it, you know, I, I'm, I'm finished. I just want to blow my mind on something completely irrelevant. So I sat down right. and watched Grey's Anatomy and there's a chapter and uh, there's a character who's pregnant and she comes in and she's, this guy is talking to her and, and she, sitting there and she looks at him and she says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the smell of those fries. "Fries." And I thought, all right, well, there goes my break because I got to go. Right. It was perfect. You know, I I mean, I, that's the detail you remember. It says everything about her. It says everything about what's going on at the moment. So some of it was, was just luck. Some of it was purposeful research. And some was this massive catalog of stuff I had, right? And, and then also, once my friends knew I was doing this, people kept kept sending me sentences, oh, and that God. was terrific. I got I got was a lot it? from an awful lot of people.
0: All right, and so what? And so do you? Do you have? I mean, you don't. I don't think you. From what from the reading, I couldn't tell. But do you have certain sentences that you just that are really like your? You just you just love them every time you read them. Still that you weren't, but you weren't going to, you know, like all your children, you don't want to love one more than the other, but are there some that you kind of love more than the other, nonetheless?
1: You know, that's a hard question to answer because they're so tied up with my own experiences. For example, um, there's one from the little engine that could, uh, that I think (laughs) I can, I think I can nine times in a row. So when my older granddaughter was about three, I was, I read that book to her and it was, absolutely addictive. I mean, she loved, loved, loved hearing it. And so every time I finished the book, I had to read it again. And maybe after the 20th time, time for dinner and she started crying because she didn't want me to stop. So that's close to my heart, but that's close to my heart partly because it's associated with someone I love very much. Um, But I also love the sentence. I mean, if you think about that for just a moment, like that, what that sentence accomplishes, you've got these little beings that haven't been on earth very long And they have to learn how to to sit up and to walk and to talk. And I think I can is a pretty good message there. It's really hard. And also the book, um, the story had been around for many decades, but it became the, the form that you see it in most often these days was published in the 1930s. So think of the grown ups reading that to the kids and the depression and right. uh, the breakdown and unemployment. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think I can is a pretty good message there too for so everybody, was, you know, something like that comes together for so many reasons. So oh. I don't have a favorite child. Um, I love them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think they're really interesting. I, I just have that kind of, uh, yeah. I've never been a one potato chip out of the bag kind of person. Right. <laughs> well, you know, the idea. sentence
0: is, I always, one of the things I tell my students is about writing, and this is something I, 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 I've only been thinking about more recently, which is that you have, as a writer, if you, especially if you're writing, well, really any kind of writing, practically, you're having to translate a three-dimensional, five-sensory experience into, into thought. And every other art form in the world involves, you actually use a sense. You might use your ears or your hands. But for writing, you might, yes, you're using your hands. To put the words down but everything is happening in a realm beyond the five senses even though it describes the five senses and that's a very particular skill turning everything into thought because that's all a sentence is and I and the you know fin- beginning and ending a thought in a way that is tidy and complete is its own very unique art form that you have to be in love with in and of itself Do you understand the distinction? The lack of the senses is such a particular way of dealing with an art form.
1: I think that's a really good point. I think that, well, two things. First of all, language, I think, matters hugely, and it matters for us as citizens. It matters for us as people in in relationships with others. Uh, We have language to express ourselves, but I think language also shapes how we think. And so... Because yeah. once he, you know, it, it basically things happen when when language is imposed upon something that's essentially beyond words or deeper. Than that's words. right. So that's right. What I what I see as as a really wonderful writer doing is reaching into that preverbal level, and their yeah. only tools are words. But yet, they yeah. have, if they don't get to that level, then then things start they, they don't work as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's exactly the the point um, to have those thoughts to to be able to draw the reader down into something that's real and to make a new reality inside your mind and yeah. also to shape that reality because which words you choose how you decide to describe something even what you name it all of those things are going to give you push you in one direction or another. It's Absolutely. interesting that rhetoric used to be an art form that people respected. And now I typed it into Google when I first started working on this book, because even though I don't use rhetorical terms in the book, it, it right. is really essentially about rhetoric. And the first thing that popped up in autofill was empty rhetoric. And the second thing right. was hot air. And I thought, oh, dear. Right. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. <laughs> it's true.
0: That word has taken on a different meaning now, kind of.
1: And in, in, to my mind, what what right what we as writers do when we do something well is we bring people into a world and we show them that world. And yeah. I also hope this book will be will be helpful to readers or to people who teach close reading, because I think when you see what techniques are being used, you're able to perhaps to separate medium and message a little bit and then evaluate the message a little bit yeah. more um, um, objectively from the presentation. The presentation does matter.
0: It does, and I would hope it would help people understand, think about, you know, they're writing on a sentence-to-sentence level, whether they are they consider themselves writers or not. Because the more you can do in that one block of thought, you know, I always think of writing as the art of doing the most with the least. No matter, doesn't mean you have to write little yeah. tiny sentences, but you. All, I always want to see if like how little I can do to say the most, and it's beautiful when yeah. you see it. You know.
1: Yeah, there's something. Yeah. Um, I think it was Hemingway who said something like. I didn't have time to make it shorter. <laughs> I might be <laughs> wrong, well, right. it might not be yeah. Hemingway, but yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, speak, we're almost out of time, but one person who got left out, I was very surprised. Not that, you know oh, your book. No, it's okay. But I just thought of all the people it was Vladimir Nabokov. Unless I missed it, but I didn't see.
1: It's no, I, I don't think he's in there. You know, ah, it was surprised. Had, he's such
0: I'm a, you know, a with sentence myself
1: writer. about what to put in and what to leave out. Uh, and, you know, some people just got there, and some people didn't. Yeah, my, that's um, right. I, I lost a lot of my own battles, people I really wanted in there. Some, frankly, also were, because I had to ask for permission, and people said, no, there was,
0: oh, uh, for example, oh,
1: Dr. Seuss's oh. state uh, will not allow anything, oh. uh, does not allow e-book prints, uh, e- e-book rights. And okay. I had really wanted to put Horton Hears a Who in there because there's a spec voice. Um, oh. And I thought that's – I just loved that. Sure. <laughs> I, I had to leave that out. Uh, or others is simply very, very expensive to quote. But, um Right. But, yeah, inevitably somewhere left out. But yeah. I'll, I'll see if I get to do a, a sequel. Then I'll look at that in, uh, just because of you, Bill.
0: Okay. Well, look, I, you know, I once adored him. I'm not such a huge fan anymore. But once upon a time, I thought he was it on a stick. And so and I just thought in terms of his ability to craft, If ever it was a sentence writer, it was that guy. But whatever. There's a lot of plenty of good sentences out there. All right. Geraldine. I'm so glad I got you on the show. Uh, folks, the book just came out. Again, it's called 25 Great Sentences and how they got that way. It's a, If you love reading and writing and language and you like to go in deep, this book is for you because Geraldine goes in deep, and she's a beautiful writer, too, in her own right, so it's all the more enjoyable. But, Geraldine, I'm not quite done with you. Uh, first of all, if people want to learn about you or well of course you have your blog right com. yeah are you still is that still live
1: It is still live I um uh, pandemic uh the pandemic has affected it a little bit in the sense that I generally would post more frequently I'd walk around New York City and take photos or just listen to people speaking and take photos of really ridiculous signs on um, right. my favorite at, at the UN for well one of my favorites was advertising for a grilled man for a, a deli and uh, <laughs> they, they didn't have any takers for a really long time. Oh, <laughs> and I always just found myself wondering what a grilled man would look like. Um, <laughs> but yes, I do. I still still post. And um, now that I've finished with this book, I expect to post a bit more frequently. Uh, I also have an, um, my Amazon author page, um, and, uh, links to Norton and WW w. Norton, the publisher of 25 great sentences. I'll also be, um, I have a couple of events coming up, if you don't mind my mentioning. Yes, please, There's let us know. Books, is There are three independent bookstores. I always like to think of anything we can do to have independent bookstores sure. survive. Um, Madison Books in Seattle, Washington. Paulina yeah. Springs Books in Oregon. And Country Bookshelf in Montana. And they're sponsoring a writer's series. Uh, and in early in September, we still haven't set... And an actual date, but I expect to be um, a guest on, on their uh, virtual uh, broadcast. Uh, and then Newsday, uh, which is a newspaper the, from yeah. New York City, is yeah. has a live author series, and on August 25th, I'll be speaking at 7.30 Eastern time, and it's a webinar. People can write in and, and participate. And I'll be giving a seminar at the New York Society Library in late September, early October, on the writing life and in this book in particular. So all those places I hope um, people are, um, and again, support your independent bookstores is bookshop.org and uh, the book is available at all the usual um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, so forth.
0: On my website, I just switched the link to buy my most recent book to the bookshop.org from that other online retailer. So big fan (laughs) of it. (laughs) Bookshop.org people. Uh, All right. But Okay, good. So now, but now one more question for you, Geraldine. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish this sentence, this sentence. If writing has taught okay. you anything, it's taught you what?
1: It's taught me how to think. I think yeah. I agree with Flannery O'Connor, who said, I write because I don't know what I think until I read what I wrote.
0: And yeah. I think
1: that writing for me has been that, to a way to – understand my own thinking and uh, i don't know what i i don't know what i think until i go back and look at it and then it's a clarifying uh exercise for me um exercise is a little too clinical but yeah it's taught me how to think
0: i agree i agree much the same way geraldine thank you you're awesome congratulations on the book i hope it's a smash
1: Thank you so much. I very much appreciate the chance to talk with you today. I'm honored to be with you and um and also appreciate your producers looking at my books. That's great. Oh,
0: well, we all love you. Okay, Geraldine, thank you so much.
1: Have a good day. Stay safe.
0: Bye-bye. All right, you too. Yeah. Yeah, it teaches us how to think, people. It does. It does. Some about having to make it so someone else could understand it. It helps you understand it yourself. It's true. Well, okay. I'm going to be, uh, well, I'll be back next week with somebody else. Somebody else cool, I'm sure. Live again. This is uh, this is good. In the meantime, uh, find something you love to do, write it, and punctuate it correctly.
1: Yes. <laughs>